Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org slash match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Mark Schreiner. Pro wrestling, or as World Wrestling Entertainment likes to call it, sports entertainment, has a long history in Florida and in Tampa. It dates back to the days of championship wrestling from Florida, where legends like Dusty Rhodes, Eddie Graham, Boris Malenko, and perhaps the greatest announcer to ever call a wrestling match, Gordon Soley, would act out their athletic feats and personal dramas each week for the television and live audiences. This week, we're taking a look at that history in preparation of the upcoming WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. We are incredibly excited to be here, to be bringing WrestleMania here to Tampa Bay. Tampa is ingrained in the fabric of who we are. So many performers over the years have been here, whether it was the Tampa Armory, in that air-conditioned building, watching somebody like Dusty Rhodes tear it up and take down all the bad guys. And that spark started. It started here. So to bring WrestleMania here, we couldn't be more excited. That was Paul Levesque, Executive Vice President of Talent for the WWE, speaking at 2019's press conference announcing that WrestleMania 36, his company's largest event, would be coming to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa April 5th of this year. Now, at the moment, Levesque's pro wrestling alter ego, Triple H, is not scheduled to be in the ring at WrestleMania, but folks like Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, Brock Lesnar, and Becky Lynch are. And there is still the possibility some legendary names like Undertaker and Tampa's own Hulk Hogan will be making an appearance. Dave Meltzer joins us from California. He's covered pro wrestling going on almost 50 years. The last 37 is publisher and editor of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, a weekly publication and website that covers all things pro wrestling. Dave Meltzer, welcome to Florida Matters. It's great to be here. Well, now, Dave, someone listening right now, their hand is hovering over the button to change the channel because Mm -hmm. they're like, uh, pro wrestling. Tell them in brief, why should they care that WrestleMania is coming to Tampa? Well, I mean, it's it's a major tourist event. People come from all over the world, probably from probably all 50 states, and they'll be, you know, in the realm of 75, 100,000 tourists you know, coming to town because not everyone who comes even goes to WrestleMania. There's people who come. It's it's almost like become a a Woodstock type um, yearly event for pro wrestling fans because it starts. There's wrestling companies from all over the world that are coming to Tampa to run shows, and um, WWE has multitude of shows and. And, you know, WrestleMania is obviously the biggest on Sunday, but there's NXT on Saturday. There's New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be running. Impact Wrestling is going to be running. Ring of Honor has got a show in town. So you've got, you know, many of the biggest um, pro wrestling companies in the world that are all congregating and fans from all over the world. Not even all WWE fans. I mean, fans of any form of pro wrestling will find something to their liking, most likely, in Tampa or Lakeland or in that area, Ybor City, all week long. Why should they go to WrestleMania or any of the related events? I mean, if you like 
fast action and athletic stuff. It's there. Wrestling's a great form of drama, you know, if you look at it in that way. And the other thing is, is with the international shows, what's really cool is it's almost like you bring a culture to the United States. Like you're almost watching it and there'll be Japanese, you know, spectators, although it's mostly American spectators, but you'll be like watching it. You're like kind of like getting a chance to watch a Japanese event in your own hometown. Last year, I went to a German, you know, WXW from, from Germany and you go in there, you know, even though the crowd, um, there were a lot of Americans, there were a lot of Germans in the crowd. The Germans kind of took the lead because they knew everybody. And so you kind of are sitting there going like, oh, so this is what German culture pro wrestling is like. So you, you, you learn a little bit of culture. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll, you'll know enough of the pro wrestling, even though the style may be slightly different to where you will enjoy it. But it's a different environment than going to, say, a WWE. And, you know, again... WWE, it's cool for the family. They have, you know, bad guys and good guys and easily discernible characters and WrestleManias. WrestleMania is a tremendous, unbelievable live production. Um, just like a, you know, like a giant show. Like, I don't want to compare it to a Super Bowl. It's completely different. I, I think that the length of the show is, is daunting for sure. But as far as going there once for an experience, um, I think it's a, it's a great experience to go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to some of those other events in a moment. Uh, Rob Higgins, the other officials with the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, they've been trying to bring WrestleMania to Raymond James Stadium for around a decade. Why do cities push so hard to get this event, Um, not just from that standpoint, as you say, of other groups coming in, but particularly the WWE and, and the WrestleMania label? I mean, it's it's the tourist revenue. I mean, you're going to most people come in. They come in, will come in for like four days. They're not coming in just, you know, like for the Sunday show and then fly home Monday. I mean, most people, um, you know, they're going to be spending money at restaurants. They're going to be, you know, hotels. They're going to be visiting tourist places. Yeah. you, You talk about the economic impact there. Uh, the numbers that have already been thrown around start at around one hundred million dollars and, and and probably well up of 100 million these days. But yeah, it's been 100 million and more for feels like a, a decade. Yeah, Orlando 3 years ago, they were talking about 181 million dollars and the thought is Tampa may be able to top that. Now, we hear this not just for WrestleMania, but events like the Super Bowl and the Final 4. Those numbers sometimes get exaggerated to some extent. It's not as big as It would not be as big as a Final Four. It would not be as big as a Super Bowl by any means, but it's way up there. You know, I mean, it's bigger than a game of the World Series. Going over to the Super Bowl comparison just for a moment, uh, Tampa is going to be hosting the Super Bowl in 2021. One of the things that over the last few years is that Vince McMahon, the CEO of WWE, tries to put his shows, WrestleMania, either right after a Super Bowl or the year immediately preceding it, so he can do that comparison of attendance numbers. WrestleMania will announce a larger number because that's part of the charm of of WrestleMania is the exaggerated attendance figure that they put forth every year. It's sometimes exaggerated as, you know, usually about 10,000, but often as much as 20,000 people. You mentioned the idea that it's people look at the number with the grain of salt. But at the same extent, WWE is a publicly traded company. They're on the New York Stock Exchange. How do you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're still playing by the rules to some extent? Well, because the, the financial number, the gate number, they don't exaggerate. That's why. 
But um, yeah, I mean, like in Dallas, um, when they announced 101,000, um, you know, Vince, Vince himself was saying, well, you know, I mean, we're counting ushers and we're counting this and we're counting that. We actually didn't have that many people paying. They actually do release to stockholders or to, um, to actually to the public on their corporate website. Uh, they don't release the exact paid number, but they kind of give enough indication to where you can figure it out. And it's usually, like I said, it's usually between ten and 20000 less than the number that they announced that day at the building. Yeah, and, and I saw a report on the Wrestling Observer website in the last few weeks that ticket sales to some of the events, uh, maybe not the main WrestleMania itself, but some of these surrounding events, are a little soft and maybe not what WWE is hoping. Yeah, so far there are, as compared to... Uh, Dallas or Orlando, it appears that the number of tourists coming in is lower. Um, WrestleMania will be, if not sold out, it will be very close to sold out. I mean, there have been times they, where every single show, when you come into the market, um, as far as the WWE events, the Hall of Fame, the SmackDown, are all sold out. And this year, the Raw is, is, does not look like it's going to sell out. You know, Hall of Fame is, has lost a lot of luster. It's not that big. Even, even with Hulk Hogan and the NWO going in this year, um, ticket sales are not that strong. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, of course, uh, a Tampa native and, and, and longtime tied to, to Tampa and pro wrestling. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. I'm Mark Schreiner. You're listening to Florida Matters. We've had thousands of letters asking us to repeat, if we could, to once again letting the eye of the camera sweep the state. We've done exactly that for this week. We'll be seeing matches from Tampa, uh, from St. Petersburg, and I have a very, very special announcement that I'm going to be making a little bit later on in the program. We're talking pro wrestling, so I knew we had to hear the golden voice of Gordon Soley, the legendary announcer of championship wrestling from Florida. We're also talking to Dave Meltzer, creator of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter about WrestleMania 36, which the WWE is bringing to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa April 5th. Orlando three years ago, New Jersey last year, dozens and dozens of these events. You had independent wrestlers and their hardcore fans hitting three or four wrestling cards in one day. Do you think we're going to see something similar in Tampa this year? Yeah, the, one of the things that I always look forward to is the, the March Hitchcock, Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show that WrestleCon puts on because they bring in talent from all over the world and they give you, there's, you know, matches that you normally wouldn't see, like with, like say a star from Mexico against a star from Japan. Um, that politically is a very difficult match to put together, that you might get something like that. Yeah, and one of the, the shows that you mentioned was the Mark Hitchcock Memorial WrestleCon uh, Super Show. That is Thursday night at 8 p.m. at the Ritz in Ebor, Thursday, April 2nd. Yeah, there's a ton of shows at the Ritz in Ebor, like, like probably multiple shows every day that week. Yeah, and also WrestleCon itself is taking place out at Steinbrenner Field right across from Raymond James Stadium. Uh, that will be going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You get a lot of the old-timers out there signing autographs, so that's a, a good uh, event to... Right, uh, right, right. Yeah, if you're, if you're not a fan of modern wrestling, but you've got an affinity for the Jake Roberts era stars, you know, Sting and people like that, they're all, they're pretty much all, all the ones that are still alive are... are and in good health, they're probably going to be in Tampa that week signing autographs at WrestleCon. Yeah, and a another thing is that so many of these uh, former uh, superstars still call Tampa home, as well as current yes. superstars. Why is that? Uh, taxes, weather, and just the location as far as travel up and down. Because most of the shows are on the East Coast, and the weather's obviously a lot better than, um, than New York or someplace like that. Tampa has always been a favorite place for pro wrestling. Um, 
you know, the, the Florida promotion, everybody wanted to work in Florida when, you know, in the seventies. Um, and it wasn't even that you made the most money in Florida, but it was just the conditions, you know, the, the weather, especially in the winter, you know, it was a, just a great, great place to go. They had great fans, rabid fans. And, you know, I would say early seventies, um, Wrestling in Tampa and Miami Beach probably were the two best cities in the in the uh, United States, maybe the world, to watch wrestling in because you would get weekly shows with the with top talent, fifty two, you know, basically fifty two weeks a year. From what you saw, what you heard, what was it like to be in the uh, Fort Homer Hester Lee Armory and the Tampa Sportatorium to watch those guys week in and week out? Well, the Sportatorium was just for TV tapings. It was a small building. But the Fort Homer Hester Lee Armory, they would run every Tuesday night. And, you you know, Dusty Rhodes, obviously, and Jack Briscoe and Eddie Graham and people like that were, were the legends. I never went to the Fort Homer Hester Lee Armory, but because my grandparents lived in Miami Beach, I went to the Miami Beach Convention Center, which ran every Wednesday. And I did that, you know, many, many times during vacations. And I have great, great memories. And you have an opportunity to talk to a lot of these legends, these 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 guys who wrestled back in the 60s and 70s, and they were used to some of those smaller buildings, maybe every now and then for a super card wrestling in like the Orange Bowl in Miami. What do they say you know, what it compared to in the old days to what it looks like now where it's filling up these football stadiums and these bases. It's, it's a different business. It's, you know, it's um, the style in the ring is different. It's faster. The crowds are different. Um, the crowds look at it more as entertainment. I think before they looked at it as blood and gut sport um, or pseudo sport or whatever. Um, now it's a big entertainment thing. I mean, it's just, it's it's hard to compare. I mean, I saw both eras and there's pluses and minuses of both eras. I mean, there really was something about going out every Tuesday night or every Wednesday night and getting, you know, two and a half, three hours of great entertainment in your, you know, live, you know, you would go if you had a hockey team um, and you don't get that now because, you know, as far as big shows, you may get, you may be lucky in most places to get two or three a year. Um, so you don't have that camaraderie where, you know, you grow up with people, you sit in the same seats um, you know everyone who's sitting around you. It's your social event. I mean, that's what wrestling had in the 70s that it doesn't have now. What it does have now is, um, you know, just more glitz. And there's more money in wrestling than there was then, far, far more be- between television and higher ticket prices and all these things. The old wrestlers um, were, were struggling to make a living in a lot of cases. Some did, Some made very good livings. But, you know, when it was over, they had to get other jobs. I mean, now... The top guys, I mean, you know, they're the top guys can make a million dollars and well over a million dollars. They'll be, you know, Brock Lesnar's probably going to make, I don't know, five, ten million dollars this year on a very limited schedule. Yeah, and you mentioned the TV deal there. I mean, we 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 probably anyone who grew up watching wrestling in the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties, we remember trying to find it on the uh, VHF section of the TV. And now WWE with these huge multi-million-dollar contracts with NBC and NBC Universal and Fox, and now possibly talking to ESPN about uh, pay-per-views, uh, bringing them to uh, to to ESPN. What does that look like for at least? the next couple of months with WrestleMania. You know, it's funny because WrestleMania is only a couple months away and we don't know how it's going to be broadcast because that's obviously, I think if they make a a deal where they sell their pay-per-views to somebody, whether it's ESPN or somebody else, um, that's the plum event of the year. And I think that's the one you want to kick the deal off with. And so um, 
timing is of the essence. You know, they don't got a lot of time to make that deal. Um, well, we're looking forward to seeing you down here when you come in April and uh, WrestleMania 36, April 5th at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Dave Meltzer, publisher and editor of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, thank you again for joining us on Florida Matters. Thank you. Earlier, we were talking about how many pro wrestlers have called the Tampa Bay area home during and after their careers. One such legend was Boris Malenko. Born in Newark in 1933, Lawrence Simon became better known as the Russian bad guy, or heel in wrestling terminology, Boris Malenko, who was hated by Florida fans during the height of the Cold War. Malenko died in 1994, but one of his two sons who followed him into the family business remains in Tampa and is helping keep the story of this era of pro wrestling alive. I recently sat down and talked with Jody Simon, who wrestled under the moniker Joe Malenko, about his memories. What do you remember from growing up in Florida and watching your dad in pro wrestling here in Florida? I just remember watching the fans and how much they appreciated wrestling in the day because, and we talk about this all the time, you know, this is, it, was, it was one of the few things in town. There really wasn't, nothing, there really wasn't anything much else here. Um, highlight, the highlight front Tom was up and running. You know, you had, you had AAA ball, but you know, just short of that, there was no, you know, there was no, there were no bucks, there were no, you know, uh, there were no rallies at the time, there were no um, devil, you know, devil rays. There, were, there was, there were no teams, there were no professional sports teams, um, you know, so there was some college, some college ball. But just short of that, it was professional wrestling. It was every Tuesday night at the Armory, and every Saturday down at the Sportatorium doing the tapings, and uh, then around the state, the various cities and towns in the state that run on each day of the week. That's what people lived by. So they could gather their families. They could go to these places. They could spend some time. It, was, you know, it wasn't adult entertainment by any means. It was, it was family-friendly at the time. How often did you get to go down there and watch your dad in action? I watched my dad all the time. I always went with him. I traveled with him on the road. I went with him you know, when I was a kid. I went with him later on in life as I grew up to be a young adult. And then as I grew into what was semi-pseudo manhood, <laughs> I'm still working on it. I, uh, you know, I got into the business, business myself as a referee and wrestling a little bit, and I traveled with him at that point and went up to the Carolinas with him, followed him up there, refereed, wrestled a little bit, but mostly refereed. And um, so I spent a lot of time on the road with him because if I hadn't done that, I would have never seen him. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a business that wasn't easy for families because if your dad was a professional wrestler, he was gone all the time. When you finally got into the ring yourself and you had that opportunity for the first time to team with him, what was that like? So I teamed with my dad, but I also wrestled against my dad. Okay. I mean, I was, up, I was up in the Knoxville area. We were running opposition to a, to a group up in Knoxville at the time. We had some real talented people. Um, just you know, part of the group was my dad. It was, um, it was Ronnie Garvin. It was uh, Bob Orton Jr., who was Randy Orton's dad. Bob Orton Jr.'s dad was Bob Orton Sr., who was the big O, who was one of my dad's best friends. So, you know, it was, it was uh, Lanny Poffa was up there, I think, a little bit, but mostly Rand, Randy, um, Randy Savage, you know, so Macho. I mean, I, I worked against Macho. I worked against Bob Roop, who was a legitimate Olympian, and then came down to Florida and had a long, illustrious career down here. And we were in some, we were in some uh, outlaw groups together, you know, in various times in our lives. So you know, I, I, um, I had opportunities to work with my dad, but I had opportunities to get in the ring against him. 
And I always, I just always appreciated the fact that he was as good as he was. It wasn't even that it was my dad. It was that he was a talented, you know, he was a talented hand in the ring. He could make a match out of almost anything. There were so many guys that your father fought with, uh, fought uh, against here in Florida, Wahoo McDaniel, Johnny Valentine, as you said, Bob Roop, Hiro Matsuda, um, Eddie Graham, of course, with one of the most famous events ever in wrestling where, uh, what was your, Eddie Graham knocks your dad's dentures out of his mouth and then stomps on them. Do you still have people coming up to you and telling you that they remember seeing that on TV? Well, that was you know, when I was doing the social media stuff, which <laughs> I've stopped doing because it just did nothing but irritate me pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, that was like one of the biggest things out there still remembered to this day is just my dad having his teeth knocked out of his mouth and Eddie Graham stomping his teeth and yeah, silly little things like that. One of, one of the other things was my dad did a mattress commercial. He did a bad cock mattress commercial and it got lost in time but people still clamored for that commercial. And it was funny because I called, I called the corporate office of Badcock and I said, hey, you know, my dad did a commercial years ago. I was wondering if you have something back in your archives. And the lady looked and looked and looked, and I would, I'd get back with her, and she'd get back with me, and nothing evolved. And finally I said, you know, somebody there has got to have it. So I called again. Well, I ended up speaking to another lady, and she said, she goes, you're speaking to the right person. I said, oh, okay. She goes, yeah, I'm the granddaughter of whoever Mr. You know, Badcock was and started – you know, the, the company. She said, if anybody's going to find this thing, it's going to be me. She said, give me, she, she said, give me a little bit. And I'm thinking, okay, so maybe, you know, maybe we stand a shot. Literally, 10 minutes later, my email dinged, and there it was, sitting in a file. Direct from Moscow, Russia, 241 pounds, the great Malenko. And direct from Babcock Home Furnishing Center at 37 and a half pounds, the great mattress. And it's a great Malenko moving out swiftly against the great mattress. Catching it with a knee in the corner. The mattress has not yet had a chance to move out of that corner. The great Malenko brings it up for a full airplane spin. And it was amazing because, you know, back then nobody did any TV, nobody did anything outside of the wrestling business because so it was kind of a, you know, the first foray into guys, you know, my dad being one of them who did something outside the wrestling business, even though it was just a TV commercial. It ran. My dad was a great businessman because he, I think he made 500 bucks for that thing in the last, and it ran for about 10 years. So Badcock, Badcock the, the mattress company made a lot of money or sold a lot of mattresses off of my dad who made 500 bucks for a commercial. It ran for 10 years. Going forward over the next couple of weeks with all the different WrestleMania activities, and not just WrestleMania, but some of the other wrestling activities, um, are you taking part? Are you looking forward to seeing old friends, maybe meeting fans here in the Tampa area who remember your dad, remember you as a wrestler? There, there, are, you know, there are people that are going to be in the area that I don't run into too often. A good friend of mine is coming, coming up from Miami. Um, we used to wrestle together back for Global Wrestling Alliance, which was an organization here in the States, that kind of, here in Florida that went against championship wrestling for Florida at one point. Um, so I enjoy seeing that. I, I like reliving things, but... The you know the business today is a different business, and I'm not I'm not up on it. I, I frankly don't know who most of the talent is. I know some guys, but I don't know most of the talent. I really don't follow the product anymore. I don't watch it on TV. It's not because I think terrible of it or anything like that. It's just you know everybody has a taste, and that's not my taste. I you know the older crowd that lives here in Tampa. We get together on a regular basis and we talk about the old times and the, and the way things used to be and and the you know the good of it and you know we discuss some of what's going on today. But uh, so I'm part of that all the time. I don't need much more of that. WrestleMania coming into town doesn't bring more of that to me. Um, 
it creates opportunities for the area. I mean, there are, there are a bunch of people who will jump on the bandwagon of WrestleMania and have side events, you know, a bunch of ancillary events that will create some, you know, big buzz around this town for a few days. But, you know, I'm, I'm not part of it. I don't care to necessarily be part of it. I'll be at WrestleMania, but I'll be sitting in a seat somewhere, which will be the first time for me that I've ever sat and watched a, really sat and watched a wrestling event. Not the first time, but kind of. And from those days of the armory and the sportatorium to the fact that they're going to put 60-something thousand people in Raymond James Stadium. Did you ever think you'd see that day? Well, I saw that day. I mean, that, that, day, came, that, came, that day came decades ago. We, what, what we, what people, and I was just having this discussion today. What people don't understand was that there were wrestling events back when that had amazing crowds. You know, when, uh, when Hackenschmidt fought, fought Frank Gotch, I think there was 70,000, 80,000 people in the stadium at the time. It was one of the biggest sporting events of all time. When, you know, when my dad fought Wahoo McDaniels in Houston at the Astrodome, it was one of the, you know, one of the biggest crowds of the Astrodome. I mean, these things, you know, what's old, they always say what's old is new, right? Well, what's old is new but it was, it's old. <laughs> you know, these things have happened before. You know, somebody said, is, is, are you sad that your dad didn't see the time that is now and, and how wrestling is as pervasive as it is or, or, you know, as big as it is? Well, he did. He did see it as big as it is now. He just saw it in a different light. He didn't see it with all the, you know, all the social media attachment and all the, all the other things that surrounded it, but he saw it. And he saw it firsthand, and I was there to witness him seeing it, and I, I, I enjoyed it. One of the things that, one of the things that I was thinking about the other day was uh, <laughs> I had witnessed a, a pastor actually talking about the fact that the Old Testament is the, the book of begat, right? You know, this, this person begat, this person, this begat, that person. Uh, Florida is the begat state of, of wrestling. It, you know, from Florida, everything... Even though it was one of many territories, and there were other great territories and great workers in these territories, Florida was a real hotbed that started a lot of the movement of professional wrestling and what you see today. So what I see isn't any different than what I saw before, and actually it had a much better flavor back then because it was more, it was more genuine. It was more real. Uh, there was nothing that was scripted. There, you know, these guys and these guys went out into arenas that didn't have air conditioning, and people... You know, people sat around. They, there was a believability that doesn't exist today. The, you know, there was. There, I do have to say that the athletic, the athleticism nowadays, through the roof. I mean, there are guys who do you know double backflips with a with a corkscrew twist before they land on somebody. You know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have attempted one backflip. <laughs> never mind the double and the corkscrew thingy, Bob. I would have killed myself. It was a different era. But it was the same. I mean, the, you know, the crowds, the crowds in these places used to rock. You know, there was never a crowd any louder or any more genuinely transported to a different place than a crowd that was sitting in Fort Homer Lee Armory on a Tuesday night where you couldn't hear yourself think. Um, you couldn't breathe. It was so hot. People were smoking. I mean, there, were, you know, there was a day where it was segregated. Um, Magic, magic, magic times. And you ask anybody in the city who's, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s who remember those, and they'll tell you there's, 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 you don't see that. I mean, you don't see that with the biggest of the big venues here with, you know, with 70, 80, 90,000 people in it. You just, yeah, it was, it was more magical then. That was Jody Simon, also known as Joe Malenko, a retired pro wrestler and son of the legendary Boris Malenko. 
That's it for today's show. You can listen to Florida Matters wherever it's convenient for you as a podcast. Search for it and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. The show was produced by Mary Shedden, engineered by George Gauvin. Special thanks to Shannon Lynn. Also a special thanks to my dad for taking my brother and I to all those pro wrestling cards back in the 1980s and 90s. I'm Mark Schreiner, and in the words of the great Gordon Soley, So long from the Sunshine State.